Hello and welcome to Stark Contrast, a Game of Thrones podcast from Movie Fail. I'm Josh Rosenfield. I'm here with Soren Howe, and we are discussing the fifth episode of season six, The Door. Um, the Door. I think we were discussing at the end of last week um, what this title could possibly mean. And halfway through this episode, I was like, this is weird. It's like there's nothing really in this episode so far that is related to a door in any way. <laughs> um, so as it was happening, the final scene, which we'll talk about, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, of course. This one was actually about its title. Yeah, right? It was literal. Unusual. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny about this episode, though, is um, uh, so I had predicted it would be about Arya and uh, the House of Black and White for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but then there was a lot of that in this episode. There so was, yeah. I was like, cool, I totally confirmed what I, what I thought, and then we actually got a door. Moment, Nothing specifically so. door-related, but yes. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I don't know why. I, we, we were both like, yeah, that sounds right. Last last episode, we were like, yeah, that sounds that sounds accurate, and then I don't know why we decided that, but then and we actually got a door thing. But we couldn't have predicted this. <laughs> nobody nobody predicted Never, this. Never, no. Um, even though this is supposedly, according to George R. R. Martin, been the plan all along, um, yeah, we should we should talk about that. Yeah, when we can talk about that scene, we'll talk about that. I have, um, you know. Yeah. But whatever. So, the episode actually begins as every episode this season has so far at the wall. Um, Sansa gets a message that Littlefinger is in Molestown and wants to talk. Littlefinger, who I swear to God has a teleporter, because he just pops all over the map just instantly. Yeah, it doesn't. He even was matter. in the Vale last maybe week. He's, maybe he's actually like Satan. <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? What a twist. What what a twist. Yeah. yeah. No, but seriously, I mean not not that he's like, you know, but he's uh it, it's it's he's like a weird character who could really be from anywhere and doesn't seem to have any sort of backstory whatsoever except for his interactions with main characters. Yeah, every so time he know. shows up, I I I I had forgotten that he's a character on the show. And the, it this occurred this thought occurred to me in this opening scene. I was like, "Oh, it's weird that he's here." I forgot that he that like the, there's a whole part of the show that's about him in this character, because uh, he just seems so. We just saw him last episode. I know, but he always seems so, you know. For a while, he's episode? been pretty unrelated to, uh, really any any of the main plots. He was kind of briefly mm. related to the Sansa plot, but it's been a while since he was like a ma- major factor on the show. So to see him pop up again, it was. Well, he's weird. following up directly. At least he's following up directly with what he said last time. Which was that he wanted the Knights of the Vale to come and help John, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Which is cool. It, we, yeah. we kind of, I think we we talked about the idea that um, they would just happen to show up at the same time um, during the battle, <laughs> which would have been, and right, maybe right, that'll right. still happen. But I, you know, obviously it's a better idea to give your direct support if you think that's an option. So this was a smart move on Littlefinger's part. Again, though, I don't know how he got there so fast. <laughs> It seems to be a running joke on the show now because he does it so much. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny though. Is is it almost would have worked better if he had just shown up with them because she doesn't want his help, but she would have been if he wanted to continue manipulating her. It probably would have been smarter to do that because then she would be sort of stuck in taking his support because she would be in the middle of a battle and it would be useful to have them. You know, that's true. Whereas he's giving her basically the option to say no. Yeah, he he just doesn't expect her to say no. For and he's kind of, 
Uh, he's obviously surprised. He doesn't you. expect her to say it. Why? Yeah, I mean, this is a good scene, uh, and I like seeing him squirm. <laughs> I use a lot of I use a lot of expletives in my notes. Oh my god, because <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm not a fan of Littlefinger, but I liked how Sansa was really just lays into him mm. for a solid couple minutes, and Brienne. <laughs> And then, because at first I was like, Sansa was willing to meet with Littlefinger. I never would do that. Yeah. But then uh, Brienne walks in to the frame, and you're like, Oh, right, right, right. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Um, so w- before we uh, before we go on, I just want to say two things uh, about this episode, just broadly. Uh, before we started, or before I watched this episode, you messaged me to tell me that you were falling in love with Game of Thrones all over again. Yes. And I was like, well, that's weird because you said you hated this show. (laughs) (laughs) And my mom texted me and she never texted me about Game of Thrones, but she, you know, we'll talk about it if I'm, you know, we're in the same place, but she usually doesn't go out of her way to contact me about it. She messaged me saying, you know, did you watch GOT? And I'm (laughs) like, no. And she goes, I cried. We'll talk later. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I guess I should watch the episode. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think, uh, uh, this was, this was a big thing. And the other thing that's interesting about this episode, and we talked about it last week, is this is a new director. This is the one from Lost. Yes, Jack Bender. Yeah. Uh, directed a whole lot of episodes of Lost. Um, and we'll, yeah, we'll talk about his direction as we go on. Certainly, I think a step down from the last two weeks, unfortunately. Really? You think so? Yeah. Um, not a huge step down. It was better than the, it was better than the week episode. The one that was all weird and off. That, well, I mean, it, it's, it's obviously not a high bar to clear on Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, he, and I'm not saying he did. You know, these are poor. This is a poorly directed episode. But I think I thought the last two episodes were kind of uniquely well made. Uh, yeah, but there was was what was last week? What was the week bef- before the one we're on now? What was was that the one with where they ended with the weird? Oh, that's right. With Daenerys. With Daenerys the... That was so. That was odd, but that was. That whole episode was weird. Remember we talked about that? That had very weird uh, the delivery and dialogue and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but I'm saying I liked the delivery and dialogue in those episodes. They were weird. and But they were different. They were different, but were I liked it. Though. They were different from each other, despite the having the same director. But now it feels like it's sort of pivoted back on track. Exactly, yeah. So, you know, yeah. definitely it's it's closer to standard Game of Thrones, I guess. Um, but I will, yes. I will say, full disclosure about those messages, and full disclosure to our audience, um... This episode aired the night that I graduated from college. Um, so Yay! Thank you. Congrats! <laughs> thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> as I watched the episode and uh, as I messaged you, I was a little bit tipsy. Um, ah. So that okay. might that explains not that I didn't like this episode in the you know cold light of the morning, but <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the hyperbole of, of the message is uh, you can you can chalk it up to that. Okay, that's interesting because I really like this episode. Me, so. me too. I did too. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, getting back to uh, this moment, uh, it's interesting to see. So it seemed like Littlefinger seemed to have an inside track on John and John's parentage. Um, yeah. It like in previous seasons, and then here he makes this weird comment where he he corrects Sansa, saying that he's only her half brother, which. Why would he correct that if he was if he knew that in reality, sh- you know, you know, actually your cousin? <laughs> yeah, like it just seems like a weird correction to make. If uh, definitely, I mean, like, yeah, like it's weird, but I, right? I definitely drawing attention to that issue. 
um, you know, kind of reminding us of it. And, you know, that they're not direct. Yeah. yeah, or in a character way, he maybe he's just kind of messing with her. But um, yeah. But like last last season, I'm not crazy, right? He seemed to. No, you're absolutely the, right. The there was kind of hints to that effect. I wonder if in the books he'll be one of the ones who reveals it or has the information. It's possible. I mean, I thought it was going to happen. I thought there was going to be a brand flashback that explained it, but um, uh, that's <laughs> yep. who knows what's going to go Guess on there. Not. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, one thing I liked about this scene was that it uh, Sansa made the same arguments that you and I did last season about his decision to send her to Ramsay. Like I, she says pretty much verbatim the things that uh, yeah. that I was saying it was like, look, either you're a real dick for sending me to this guy who you knew was a psychopath or you're an idiot for not knowing he's a psychopath and sending him yep. to, sending me to him. And it's like, I was yep. like, yes, exactly. It was, yeah. it was like, thank you for addressing that. Um, and I really like that Sansa's moving right back to where uh, I thought she was going to go. Like an actual character arc. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, sure. it, it, where I thought she was going to kind of progress at the beginning of that season and where she kind of fell into the Ramsey pit. But it's cool to see her kind of resume that arc. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you drew a path of her her, her character arc, it, it is at its, you know, coming down on the, or coming to the other side of it. Um, and it sort of has these little weird peaks and valleys, but I think the general trend is towards good things, which is good. Definitely, yeah. Overall. Overall. Um, but then from here we go to oh, Arya well, and spend quite a bit of time. One more there. quick thing, one more quick detail uh, is that he mentions that her uncle, the Blackfish, is alive and amassing an army. Ah, uh, yeah. So we right. can talk about that. And that it, does come back. It comes back later, but it's that was a yeah. weird. Well, and it's an interesting play because he basically says, you know, you don't have to talk to me again, but just, you know, your uncle has like a whole army. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're interested, <laughs> feel free to. So are they going to keep the same guy? I don't know who played Blackfish. In, I assume they will, yeah. Season like three or something? We, um, well, yeah. Well, I guess we can we could talk about that now or or when it kind of comes back. But yeah, we can we can do that when we when we come back. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it was interesting to bring that back into it because I know people like the character, but he was barely in season three or four. Or I think it was season three, and there was he escaped the red wedding, or there was some, you know, it was up in the air whether he died in the red wedding. So it's you know confirmed right, right, at right. least now that he's he's alive. He is alive, right? Right. Um. But yeah, but then we go to Arya. Then we go to Arya. Uh, and we'll come back to, yeah. Um, so I gotta say, I uh, I much prefer I, the staff thing. Just seems so goofy to me. I like the fist fighting Arya thing. That that was cool to me. I dug that. I like uh, her little training montage. I liked this uh, fight. I like when the waif drops the stick and she's just dodging. That was a really neat mm. idea. But I also felt like you know, like a lot of fight scenes on the show, it was kind of cut to death. Uh, with all, you know, just half-second shots from every conceivable angle, and it was not as bad as the worst fight scenes on this show, but still kind of a an example of the way that this show murders its fight scenes by just chopping them all up and making it really kind of hard to see uh, the choreography. Well, that, that, and also, I gotta say, I like the fact that they were punching each other this time instead of hitting each other with sticks, but at the same time, eh, you know, I... What is the goal of this sequence? Especially since at the end of it, she's still not. She didn't like beat the waif. Well, she... it's also not clear like what in what capacity the she's going to use training? the stick fighting training as a faceless assassin. Yeah, in like yeah, ex- no part of it makes sense. And then <laughs> at the end of it, uh, Jack and Hagar just goes, "Okay, come this way," and then they just go do their own thing. 
and, and I'm like, did, did she achieve something? Did she do something? Yeah, right? it's confusing. Yeah, because since the premiere of the season, we've had this exact same scene with the wave. They fight with yeah. sticks, and Arya loses, and the wave goes, "You're not ready." <laughs> right. It's just the same thing again. Yeah, it's very strange. Um, yeah, the other, I will say though, I I like the the first of all, Jack and Agar almost seems like a human for a brief moment in this. That's true. Uh, which was kind of strange, where he's just kind of like bantering with Arya. I'm like, mm, this is weird. Uh, he gets more lines really than he's gotten when... since season two. Oh, exactly. He like has a whole whole set of dialogue. Um, but I really liked when she asked who the first faceless man was because he's talking about the oh, yeah. faceless <laughs> man, and she's like, "Who was that?" And he's like, "He was no one." <laughs> and I'm like, "Could you not have seen that coming?" Exactly. Seriously? I had the exact same thought. It was like, "Who do you think?" <laughs> <laughs> You think you would have learned the script by now? Come on. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was around this moment that I realized that the script, the delivery, everything just felt improved over the weirdness of the. Well, it's it's de- it's course corrected to where the show normal is. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'd call that improved, but it's definitely but this more season. In line. But this season has just it felt better overall, especially I think in large part because again they don't really have to adhere to very much of the. The books, although the major plot point of this was from the books, there's no dialogue, there's nothing they have to really capture from the books because there's nothing to go off of, so they can sort of do their own thing. Yeah, I just feel like they're they're freed in that, even if it's just a mental thing, you know, it's just a they don't feel tied to a tone or anything that they have to keep except for what they've done with the show, and I think that it's 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 given them a little bit more. Well, I think part of it is that you know the books spend so much time with uh, setup. And right now we're on book five of seven, and presumably once we're getting into the you know opposite end of the big arc of the series, we're kind of gonna we're gonna get get some payoffs to everything that's been going on. But right. part of the you know the big thing about Game of Thrones that you have to understand is that uh, when it was initially conceived, it was a trilogy of books. Um, oh my god! And it eventually um, and by the way, I'll, I'll see if I can find someone found like his initial. Um, outline for the series and it's hilarious because uh, it's just completely different from from what right, ended up. Right, I'm sure but it was initially supposed to be a trilogy of books like because all fantasies you know books are trilogies um and it just ballooned to now a seven book series and you know god knows if it'll even be that many if, or if it'll be more by the time it's over but part of the you know one of the major criticisms of the book is that it just spends so much time on the setup and we kind of know we kind of can guess or like have a general idea of where things are eventually going to get to like we know Daenerys mm. is probably going to get to Westeros at some point we know the white walkers are going to attack at some point but it spends cuz there's just so many characters and arcs and not that they're like not enjoyable to read but there's just so much, and you just wish you could get and to the end. And it meanders getting there. But and to be fair, it really does meander. It does, yeah, and the show does too. To and because the show is adapting that, but I think you're right. You know, now that they are kind of free of all of that, free of the uh, constriction of all of that setup, they can just get to the good stuff, and they're not kind of well, and they're not bound by what the books say. Uh, that good stuff has to be, that, or when it has cool to come in. They basically set up a bunch of rules, so it's kind of like, oh, this is going to sound super pretentious, but. <laughs> it's kind of like so when you do so I took a music composition class a couple for like two years um, and it's really hard I'm not good at it and it's like I'm not a music composer in any way <laughs> but what's interesting about music composition what you're what you, at least the classes that I took um, the way they basically set it up is you your exercises to practice 
being a composer, which you, you can do, you can like practice it, is you learn music theory and you learn all these different restrictions. So you'll have like, well, we had like homework assignments. We had to go home and compose a couple of measures using a very specific scale or set of notes or, or you know, whatever the, the restriction would be. And it was really hard because it's hard to, I can't even compose something with no restrictions, you know? But the idea was the more you practice with these restrictions that when you had the opportunity to be free, you had you could work within different modes and different different scales and different uh, things that you have used in the past, and it sort of gave you a little bit of direction instead of just like a blank canvas kind of thing. And so, like different tech. And so, it, what's cool about the show? I feel the same in a weird way. It seems very similar. Where you know George R. R. Martin gave them all of the restrictions, the rules, everything that had, was set in stone for the first you know uh, whatever five books, mm-hmm. and now they get to sort of, you know, iterate and be freeform from here um, using the foundation of what he gave them, but they can make it culminate and sort of climax in whatever way they want, which is kind of awesome. I mean, they know where it's going to end, I'm assuming, and they have some other stuff, but they, they're they much more loose now with the world that he created. So it's kind of an interesting idea. I think that's exact. I think that's really on point, yeah. And it's, you know, fingers crossed that when the books come out, they'll be as, um, you know, freeing in that way. That they'll be, yeah, you know, they'll yeah, be able right, to actually right. uh, get to places instead of be going to places. But I agree that I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. The show is at a place now where it's uh, free of the uh, learning of what Game of Thrones is supposed to be, and it can just kind of and be what Game this of world Thrones is and how it works, yeah. right? But a good example of this, I think, probably the best example. We've talked about a lot of little examples. Probably the best example is the creators of the show know full well that George R. R. Martin said that Daenerys. Is not supposed to be a fireproof person, <laughs> and they just decided screw it. We like that; it's cooler. And we never said that she wasn't, and you didn't say she wasn't in the books. Yeah, you just said that in interviews. So we're gonna make her fireproof. <laughs> so that's just the way it is, because uh, that's how we want the finale. I'm su- assuming it's gonna have some play into the finale. It's gonna be super cool, um, which is what I wanted, and that's what a lot of people who were watching the show assumed would happen. You know, like that's everyone's basically on that page except for George R. R. Martin, who wrote the series. I'll grant that, but like, you know, they basically they have that freedom to do that now, and I think that's pretty that's pretty cool. But I think that's a classic example of, or probably one of the best examples of them being like, yeah, you know, whatever you didn't you didn't write it, so we <laughs> we've done we're doing our own thing now. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um. So anyway, but getting back to Arya, I think that it's very interesting. Jackin says something interesting to her. Uh. So she's officially becoming a faceless man, but he makes it very clear that she's it's not going to be permanent because she's too high born. Yeah, so like, sort of, like he, they're skeptical. He indicates of, that. Yeah, they're skeptical of her because she's high born. I thought that was an interesting detail that the faceless men are, you know, they come from peasants and they come from the lower classes. They don't come from royalty, and I, that's a really cool idea because of the idea that if in this you know medieval world you're not of the upper class, the upper crust, you're not royalty, then you can be, you know, metaphorically faceless. So, you know, nobody's paying attention yeah, yeah, to yeah. you. That's what Arya kind of learned in, you know, those episodes in season one where she was, or, you know, later in season one when she was wandering around King's Landing and nobody knew who she mm. was. Um, or when she was going around the Red Keep. I, I'm, maybe I'm misremembering, but, like, she was able to kind of adopt uh, a, sort of, a sort of invisibility because no one recognized her. And right. the, I like the idea of the faceless men as kind of a metaphor for that. And mm-hmm. I also, you know, concurrently like the idea that they are really mistrustful of her because she has, because her identity is so established just being royalty. 
um, when you're royalty, it's like, and it's it, not even like a minor house; it's a major. house. Exactly, yeah. It's like you know, her yeah. name is in a million books and family trees, and uh, like she is a Arya Stark is a person, whereas whoever Jack and Hagar was, maybe wasn't. Maybe it was just some random person who like their identity didn't really mean anything to them. And I, so I love mm. the idea of the faceless men not trusting her for that reason. And that's a recurring theme. So what's interesting is that conversely, the faith militant don't care. The sparrows don't care. Yeah. Uh, where you came from, and they'll take you in, and then you still become sort of anonymous in that way. And then you have someone like Littlefinger who came from nothing and just invented his own, you know, and and also I guess Varys, uh, just sort of invented their own their own realities. Um, so there's a, that's a recurring theme throughout. And, the and you know, Daenerys cool. ran into some trouble with this last season when she was trying to appease the slaves and the masters, and she wanted equality, but she, you know, that, you know, her kind of blanketly stating people are equal now had its own problems because their marine kind of needed a hierarchy, obviously not a slave-oriented mm. one, but that kind of... It needed something. Yeah, exactly. It needed a structure to its society. Uh, so, it, yeah, it's an interesting... I'd love to and s- then there's the the Sons of the Harpy, which are another anonymous group. Exactly. Although you know, obviously, yeah. we we understand funded by the rich people, if it's not explicitly stated. Right, right, right. Certainly, but it, as to who each of them are, it's, it's yeah, kind exactly. Of um, and that's with literal masks. And then with the faceless men, it is there's also the the faces, which are masks as well. Mm. Um, and then there's like, for example, the Waif, who has no name as far as we you know know. She's always listed as just the Waif. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that was interesting. Also, um, I don't know if it was in this moment or just after when we get to the the play. Uh, yeah, it was I, immediately said after. The winds of winter. Yeah, yeah, they said somebody the... says the winds of winter, and I was like, oh my god, they said the name of the book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the book that's not out yet, uh, yeah. which <laughs> which isn't out yet, exactly. Which I thought was kind of an interesting uh, an interesting move. Hmm. Um, I wonder if they asked what each of the book titles were going to refer to. <laughs> like if it, if it, if it's going to be the same in the book where it'll be in a play or something. Well, this scene is actually um, it's based on a we know a scene from The Winds of Winter because it's a chapter that George R. R. Martin has already released. Um, oh, so this uh, this is it's very different uh, from how the scene goes down. In this scene, she's actually wearing a face, for instance. Um, oh, okay. So, but it's you know it, it's basically based on that. So I, I guess it's kind of a nod to that. You know, it's explicitly based on something we know is going to happen in the book. Right, right, right. Yeah, so that's kind of an interesting move. The other thing I thought was funny about it is that it's like the Ember Island players. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Isn't I was going to mention that. It's exactly like the Ember Island players. I loved this scene so much. That's why I sent you that gif. I sent you the tear bending <laughs> gif from the Ember Island players because it's a sad episode and because the Ember Island players are absolutely in this episode. Exactly. And I um, love, you know, what I love about this scene is that it's exactly like we talked about um, in the first episode when we got that scene where we see the peasants of King's Landing talking about Cersei. Yeah. Uh, and we talk about the idea that we never kind of see how all of the events of this show are perceived by just the regular people of the world. Um, mm-hmm. And that's exactly what this is. And, of course, that's what kind of what Ember Island Players was. Ember Island Players, if you don't know, was an episode of Avatar The Last Airbender near the end of that series where the main characters go see a play in the Fire Nation that basically depicts their entire adventure as perceived by uh, the enemies, uh, their enemies. Right. It's, it's, and it's hilarious because it's obviously completely misconstrued and based on, you know, just what people think when they Rumor see them. And, and they have yeah, rumors, and, and it's, yeah. it's hilarious. And that's kind of what this is. I love the idea that in just, you know, well, let's kind of break down what people think of, 
Well, you know. I, I will, let me just say, I love that. So, you know, it's like all a game of telephone, right? Yeah. In terms yeah. of what happened. And I love what made it all the way to this play was Tyrion slapping Joffrey. <laughs> Somebody saw it at some point, either in Winterfell or in like that alleyway that happens he later. Did it twice, yeah. But someone caught it and said, you know what? This needs to be in the play. Whatever play happens, <laughs> we need Tyrion slapping Joffrey, <laughs> which is so funny to me. That's, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So when that happened, I was like, oh my god, did they get that? And it's, what's funny is that I'm sure when they wrote it, they were probably just like, oh, that's a f- moment we liked from the series, and it became a gif and image, and everyone loved it, and so we'll put it in the play. So it's sort of a metaphor for the audience, too. Yeah. Um, you know, for what the audience likes or greatest hits. Uh, <laughs> hits. Um, but <laughs> but what was also cool is, like like I said, in the, in the context of what's happening that's what made it all the way to this to this company, which I think is, is hilarious. Um, so that was cool. The other thing I want to say is that uh, Richard E. Grant was in the scene for like three seconds, uh, but I love the fact that he's in the scene because he's <laughs> my he's in my favorite movie, right, with Nell and I, and he plays an actor in that. Oh. And so the fact that he plays an actor in this, like this overacting sort of, you know, character is just hilarious to me. But <laughs> he's only in it for like half a second. I just for me it was a it was pretty cool. <laughs> I hope they, they do more with these characters. Yeah, I'm I think we'll probably we see them again in the next episode or whenever we see Arya again. Because she's supposed to kill one of them. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. let's talk about like the play itself and what it represents yeah. about, you know, how these characters are seen by the world so first of all we have uh they, they got uh king robert kind of spot on you know that's pretty much what he yeah, was that like. was pretty much that was pretty much super <laughs> you know i we he we don't know if he was actually killed by a boar or you know there's some implication that cersei was behind it we don't really know but yeah character wise they dead they were dead on um cersei isn't really given anything to do she's just kind of the you know the grieving wife and the uh, unhappy mother. So I love the idea that they don't really, you know, because obviously we know that Cersei is pulling the strings behind pretty much everything that happens in King's Landing. Right, um, right, right. But they don't really perceive her as having, as being a character in the story of King's Landing. Um, the biggest one, the most important one to me was the idea that they perceive Ned as this, you know, boorish bumbling bumbling idiot, idiot. yeah yeah it, whereas we know and i got the impression that that's kind of the northern stereotype because you know we we got some of that kind of culture clash back in season one when the starks first went to king's landing the idea mm. that the northerners were you know they were uh they were so rural i guess and uh and rustic yeah and, and unkempt like country bumpkins. and yeah they you know they don't they don't know anything of the high life as opposed to king's landing so the idea Which is Kind of accurate, though. It is, yeah, but I mean, obviously... And what's really funny is, you know, calling him, calling Ned simple, well, it's not that he was an idiot, but he had a very simplistic idea of how politics works. Okay, can I just say this? Judging by how much we've seen of Game of Thrones, and this is a man who lived in Westeros his whole life and thought, you know, I'm just going to shoot straight for the heart here, (laughs) and everything will be fine. Uh, This, nothing... How could you be in that place for that long? We we've been watching like the episode, seeing snapshots of these people's lives for whatever six seasons now, and we're pretty well aware that things don't work simply just by watching it happen. <laughs> How is it that Ned thought that the, any of what he was doing would work? That's well, I mean, we probably have to. We also have to, you know, be cognizant of the fact that 
pre-Game of Thrones was a different time, just because when Robert was ruling, obviously things were very different. So the Game of Thrones that we see now... Yeah, but the Lannisters have always been the Lannisters. What, but they haven't been Tywin in power. Just started you know, they haven't been, yeah, you know, obviously, and we he has definitely some disdain for the Lannisters that we see. Um, but you're right, it's... Uh, the idea of northern culture is being very uh, all about justice and honor. Uh, right, right, right. You know, yeah, we. I think in retrospect, um, we see, it's clear that the north was a lot more closed off uh, than they currently are, just because northern characters are kind of scattered everywhere. Um, but yeah, it seems pretty clear that the north was just not really involved in the politics of any of the other uh, kingdoms. <laughs> clearly, clearly. Yeah. Um... Still, it's funny, but it, it is funny how people sort of perceive that, and 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 it's depicted. I mean, even just in, in the architecture in the first season, you see the you know very clear differences. But um, it's funny to see it here. It's just not how anyone. And it's funny to to imagine Ned that way because everyone sees him as, especially people who watch the show, he was like a favorite for a very long time. So it's well, funny not to, a very long to, time. <laughs> no, for a long time. Even no, I mean even now, like oh, I know you, of course. We'll talk about him as like a favorite character, even though he, yeah. you know he was only in nine episodes. <laughs> um, but you know he was he was the protagonist in many ways for the beginning, and he was the introduction to the whole universe for most people. And so um, to treat him like that in this was kind of a a, a clever and and sort of mean yeah. <laughs> mean thing to do to the audience. But I, I you know but it was it also was, like it was smart. And when I was watching the scene, I was thinking like, oh well, of course, you know. Of course they see it that way, because from their perspective, you know, he's just some, you know, random northerner who just happened to be best friends with the king, so of course he got the job of Hand of the King. And he's not there for, he's only there for like two months before he gets his head chopped off because he's such an idiot. You know, from their perspective, it's not an unfair assumption that that, 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 that's what Ned is like. No, it's not. And what's, what's also funny about Tyrion is he almost looks here like... They describe him in the books, from what I understand. They describe yeah. him a lot more... Like, monstrous-looking. Monstrous-looking, yeah. Which makes more sense, considering the the rumors about him being, like, a demon or a monster or whatever. That was a thing. And uh, it makes very little sense in the show, because Peter Dinklage is a good-looking guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it doesn't quite fit uh, at all. Um, but here they like use prosthetics and a bunch of other stuff to make this act. This actor uses them to to look like what they perceived him to be. And what's funny is they may have thought that you know, and it's kind of what I always thought was kind of clever. And I think I probably mentioned this in an older podcast, but they may describe him like that in the books. But maybe the books sort of take the perspective of the people and not with the way the character actually was, or the, the the this you know person actually was, and so. We're, you know, you're sort of getting one side or the other. The book can only objectively, quote unquote, describe a character one way or another. But maybe that's just what the people thought, because the people never saw Tyrion. Why would they ever see Tyrion? He, he was outside like a, briefly, but mostly was inside doing Hand of the King stuff. Yeah. So um, it's kind of an interesting idea, you know, to sort of you yeah. can sort of justify the different depictions that way. And he's also characterized as a really just nasty, awful person. Which, of course, if you perceive him as this, you know, monster. Of course, that's how you assume he would act when, of course, you know, anyone who knows Tyrion probably knows that as conniving and uh, uh, as he is, that he's genuinely a good person. Uh, Oh, yeah. So the perception of him as both physically and, um, you know, spiritually uh, disgusting is it it makes perfect sense. But it's interesting to see that manifest in the form of a of a play. 
It is. And, and the one last thing that makes sense as well is what also carried over was his promiscuity, which of course would carry over because, you know, he was always in brothels yeah. and that's who would talk to, you know, common people. So if you're getting all your information from the brothels he was at, yeah, your one depiction of him would be, you know, this sex crazed like maniac. <laughs> but it's uh, not really him. And it was funny, even funnier about that is that that was him. And that's how we're introduced to him in the very first scene we see him in the, the whole series. Um, yeah. But there hasn't been a sex scene with Tyrion in ages. That's true. Ever since Shay died, yeah. Ever since Shay died, he's just been out of it. Well, died. He murdered Well, okay, Shay. that's, yes. She's <laughs> <laughs> just keel over, but yeah, exactly. I guess since it he just, married Sansa is more accurate. Since he married, I was going to say it was even before that, because, you know, that whole thing ended, and he just, yeah. yeah. So it's funny to see that, that transition for him. Uh, it, uh, the other really interesting note about this play is that um, it takes the blame for Ned's death uh, out of Joffrey's hands. Just in the writing of the play, uh, it has Ned, you know, on the chopping block, and Cersei says, oh, you know, it wouldn't be a good... Oh, but by the way, just real quick, um, I loved how all the lines in this play rhymed. I thus thought it was done really cleverly. Um, mm. So, but this moment, Cersei uh, says to Joffrey, oh, it wouldn't be such a good idea to do, you know, to kill him, and Joffrey is in the middle of saying, oh, I would never do such a thing when the headsman comically chops off Ned's head, as if he's too late to stop him. Right. Um, now, obviously, I don't think that anyone could... You know, maybe this is how people actually think that went down. <laughs> but if you were there and you watched it, you know that Joffrey just cut his head off. But I like the idea that Joffrey, uh, since his murder, has been turned into a martyr, basically. Right. Like he's right, seen right, as, right, oh, he was such a, he was the boy King Joffrey was so pure and good and, you know, taken from us before his time, which is obviously a real thing that happens. You know, you know, Abraham Lincoln was a very controversial president. <laughs> To say the least, for all, at the time, oh for yeah, all the yeah generally, for, sure. for all the genuinely good that he did, I'm not going to argue that Lincoln did not do good, but at the time he was a hugely controversial figure. And yeah, talk about governmental overreach. I mean, there was a whole civil yeah, war. Yeah, exactly. I everything. mean, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, then he was assassinated, and now he's remembered as a he's remembered much better than he perhaps would have been if he wasn't kind of killed and made into a martyr for his cause. So interesting. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea it's, of Joffrey of all idea. people being his image being redeemed because he's was killed. Yeah, yeah. You know what this scene reminded me? It was kind of funny to to watch this. Um there's a there's a whole sequence in uh in uh, the this is a video game I, I finished recently called The Witcher Three. And yeah. um and there's a whole a whole sequence uh, I don't even remember when the game's really long and complex. But there's a whole part about um a couple of parts about uh, theater and the, the the plays they do are very exaggerated and in this style, this sort of medieval style. Um, and so it was funny seeing this because I was trying to, what does this remind me of? But it, yeah, it was it was The Witcher as a whole sequence like this where you um, you actually act in a play uh, <laughs> with a bunch of people like this uh, who are very similar. And it's funny, like even the members of the company almost seem similar to the members of these this company. It's 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 weird, a weird little parallel. Um, so, but in any case, yeah, I just I, th- I thought that was a, a funny uh, funny connection there because it's a sort of a contemporaneous uh, other medium type of thing. <laughs> um, so the right after this scene, um, we cut. To we get the, a snapshot of Bran, I think. Oh, do right we or does it? Right. Cu- I think it cuts right to. Um, well, I, I, I do want to say uh, real quick though. Uh, right after the play ends, the first thing we cut to is a nice old close up of a dick. Um, very controversial topic when it comes to Game of Thrones. 
to the point that a lot of the actors who even said, we, you know, we need some more male nudity on the show. It's really kind of yeah. weighted <laughs> yeah. heavily. So the idea that they not only have this just... The camera just gets right up in there. Um, but it actually, it does. It, but it cuts to it from the previous scene, so it's the first thing you see in the scene. It's kind of, it's almost right. as though they're saying, "Okay, fine. Do you, is this? Do you, is this enough? Is this good? Is this enough? Yeah, yeah. You yeah, happy? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny to see that. Um, but then immediately, there's there's a bunch of female nudity. Yeah, of course. Well, so, we, we, of course. Wow, wow. Could we? Got to be equal. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know, and it, it's funny that um, you know. Uh, I, I I know I'm a broken record. Everybody listens to this. It's just so tired of it. But um, you know, I always thought Spartacus always did a really really good job with with really doing really solid work with equal equal nudity. I mean, all the characters are naked all the time, pretty much in that show. Um, and uh, there's a pretty good split on who's naked when. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think uh, it, it it's funny that this we can have a conversation about this moment of you know like this one shot of a penis and it's like well yeah that's for game of thrones impressive i suppose <laughs> <laughs> it's not really in the great scheme of things very yeah. impressive especially consider even just in the show how imbalanced it is well considering um, you know hbo kind of infamously has a nudity quota for its shows or at least it yeah. did which is why you know the famous story is that david uh, david chase says that the reason that he set uh, tony soprano's kind of uh not hideout, but like little headquarters right, right. in a strip club was because HBO told him each episode had to have a certain amount of nudity. So he was like, fine, right. I'll make a strip club a place he goes to all the time. Not to, you know, not as a patron. He just has to walk through it to get to the office. But you know what's funny about that? I've watched Deadwood, and maybe I'm just completely misremembering, but that show did not stri- I mean, there's brothels in it, so I guess it, maybe I'm just not remembering it. But it didn't feel like they did that in that show. <laughs> maybe that's why they canceled it. <laughs> but maybe that's why it got canceled. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know, but it's just funny because I don't remember that show being particularly heavy on nudity. And then you have shows like Curb and the comedies and stuff. They don't require it at all. Yeah, the, yeah, the comedy is probably a different standard. Um, but yeah, it's funny that the high budget shows seem to need it, but it, but you don't. You actually don't. <laughs> I don't know why it's. Oh, I'll never understand it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's a sequence in the back, and then Arya sees that there's the rum thing, and then oh, now she knows who she has to kill, and she's kind of feeling like maybe I should, why do I have to kill this person? And Jacken says, "Well, you know, you're a servant, so you shouldn't ask questions." Yeah. And that's it. So we'll get the conclusion to that hopefully maybe the next week or the week after. I presume they're moving so fast. So, yeah, yeah. Who knows? I'm thinking that we probably will. <laughs> um, but we do cut to a very brief shot of um of Bran. Uh, and we get this big reveal just before we we jettison off. Yeah, into holy crap! The great this joy. episode, like, the pace of this season is so fast that it they is. can drop a bomb this huge like 15 minutes into an episode. Yeah, just just mid mid episode. Yeah, it's like oh you know just, oh here's the origin of the White Walkers, whatever. But moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on. I wasn't even sure what was going on, and then Bran just says it outright. But what's even funnier about it is I didn't know Bran. Brand knew that the like the the whites like the zombies, but he never encountered White Walkers or anything before. He he didn't necessarily know they were real. That's right? true. That's true. So he he's just like, you created the White Walkers, uh, Brand. You know the White Walkers. Yeah. Are um, first of all, the White Walkers are real. <laughs> Second of all, yeah. Let's get that out of the way. Um, he's just sort of nonplussed. He's more surprised that the Children of the Forest had anything to do with it. Yeah. Also, I thought it was funny. So I usually don't watch the previous previously on. But they use a shot of the original design. Yeah, I was gonna say. Forest. 
they they kind of and then they show the new ones. They try hard not to show her, but use her voice. Um, but yeah, they, it's kind of unavoidable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is it the same actor? I wonder if it's the same. I don't think it, it can't just... possibly be because they look completely different, even with all the makeup. They do. They do. Um. So yeah, so we get this brief moment where it turns out that this guy, whoever this guy is, um, was turned into a White Walker, the first White Walker. Yeah. Well, I guess this is the is this the Lord Commander guy you were talking the night, about? The Night King, they call him. Yeah. The Night um, King. They officially call him in this episode. Yeah. It's. Well, oh yeah. That's the other thing. Not only does he know the Night the the White Walkers, he knows who the Night King is. Yeah. He specifically says that. They must have been. There must have been like off-screen, you know, flashbacks that were all this was explained to him. Presumably, the Three-Eyed Raven could explain this stuff to him, but I just thought they would have filled him in at some point. Or maybe they're like, well, the audience knows already, so we'll just have yeah. Bran learn it off-screen. Well, I don't know. The other big revelation that they don't actually talk about is that um, the land beyond the wall used to be, like, green. And that now... Oh, it, yeah, that's interesting. Because the tree used to be, you know, this very beautiful, like, field, green field and everything. Oh, yeah, it's the same tree? Yeah, yeah. Because they returned to that... Oh. Um, above shot later and mm. oh someone also pointed out something that's really cool um the pattern like the spiral pattern around the tree it's exactly the mm. same as that part in season three where the wildlings find the pattern of bodies in the spiral oh yeah yeah you're right so that's a interesting kind of callback and a, and a subtle one too this is really you know it's not just a kind of uh quick scene in in what it reveals but it's also kind of subtle about what it reveals like they don't talk about the fact that uh the area beyond the wall didn't wasn't always frozen over but it's just but they reveal it and it's an enormous revelation because they, you know of what it's kind of suggests about the origin of the white walkers in general and what you know maybe the children of the forest uh made it this way as well to kind of keep uh the human beings away from where they live maybe yeah it's not really clear yeah um so that was weird, and then we'll come back to the brand stuff later, obviously, because that's how yeah. the whole thing ends. Um, we get some awesome stuff in the Iron Islands, though. Yes, oh, this might so be my good. favorite part of the episode. So so good. The can I also move- say? Do you know who the um? Do you know who the cinematographer was this this episode? Because I actually really liked a lot of the shots in this. It wasn't as grandiose as um, uh, what was the the second episode of the season that had some really Let's gorgeous see. like landscape type shots. I just like the framing of just people's faces in this. Uh, there's a great scene. We, we we'll we'll talk about the the moot, but uh, when Euron gets dunked in the water, the sh- the the way they they frame the the priest off to the side, it's just I don't know. There's something about it that just I don't even know. I'm not even using technical terms here to, in any way to describe this, but it just it feels so powerful. The whole moment just feels so powerful and just perfectly framed and just in a way that it, it, Game of Thrones can sometimes feel really ordinary. I guess maybe like television, and I guess it felt cinematic in a weird way, and I just, I just really dug it. Uh, uh, the cinematographer like is Jonathan Freeman. He's done a couple episodes Jonathan of Freeman. Game of Thrones. He did a couple episodes of Boardwalk Empire. Um, oh, okay, interesting. A few, three episodes of Rome, the movie Hollywoodland. Mm, Rome. The, oh, God, the, 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 oh well, just you wait. Uh, the Robert Pattinson 9/11 movie, Remember Me. Oh for God's sake! <laughs> this is, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the nine eleven movie that was a f- was nobody knew was a nine eleven movie <laughs> exactly. till the end. Exactly. Oh God! Yeah. So he's certainly an auspicious career. Um, I hope he's not listening. <laughs> um. Anyway, we should definitely tag Robert Pattinson or hashtag Robert Pattinson in our. Oh yeah. Uh, our oh well, we'll get all so we his get fans 4, retweeting this. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
It, it's the only it's the only celebrity who I've ever seen that happen with. It's bizarre. Kristen Stewart too. Like, I will say it's oh Kristen Stewart too. Oh, okay, yeah. so it's just that whole that whole community. In any case, um, yeah. So I just thought it was really beautiful. But in any case, like, we'll talk about let's talk about the moot, which was resolved in one episode. Yeah, right. It's uh, <laughs> really quick. Again, I like you were talking about. It, I was like, I bet that's going to be resolved in one episode. And you were like, and now it goes on for a while, and there's these different characters. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Two speeches. <laughs> it's over. Um, first of all, I just want to say how funny. Like again, we always like edge on political without getting into political. This was so weirdly salient to yeah. at least the American elect election cycle. We had a reference to uh, two. So so first, uh, Yara goes up and gives her her pitch, and Theon goes to support her, and that was awesome. That was a cool moment. And then Euron shows up, and he's this out of nowhere character shows up, <laughs> refers to to two wars they got involved with that they couldn't win, and then makes a penis reference. And I was like, you know, this this feels like a you're saying that he you're saying that he wants to debate. make the Iron Islands great again. He does want to make the Iron Islands great again, exactly. <laughs> He's basically the same character. Yeah. <laughs> and he thinks he's God, so, you know, it's exactly... Anyway, <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, and, and what's also interesting is he kept that, you know, he was very clear with Balon that he thinks he's the drowned god or some crazy thing, but didn't say any of that here. So, I don't know if he's going for the religious angle or not, or well, what. Apparently he, he just... had to be, like, re-baptized. I don't remember that that custom, but apparently he had to be re-baptized or whatever, because it hadn't happened done yet. He, he hadn't done that already. Um, I guess... I guess like that's how they prove they're strong. They like drown themselves, and then if they could not be resuscitated and then just come back, then they're yeah strong enough to rule. I guess. Yeah, I don't really remember. That's, is that? I thought I assumed that was from the books. Yeah, it's uh, but their customs are weird. But yeah, <laughs> so the, yeah, the king's mood is awesome. I love it. Totally fit to me. I don't know. It seemed seemed reasonable. Yeah. Um. Also, I like the whole mystery of Balon's murder immediately resolves. <laughs> Yara just goes, "Oh, it was you," and then everyone just accepts it. No, no proof required. Well, because Yara admits, like, "Yeah, it. I did it." Yeah. Well, yeah, he just goes, "Yeah, I did it." Yeah, of course. <laughs> everyone's like, "Yeah, all right, all right, all right, cool." Uh, it, that was the whole thing was bizarre and crazy. Um, but I really, I really dug it, and it was awesome. What was really cool is <laughs> they sped through this so fast because immediately Yara and Theon are jettisoning, jettisoning off yeah. in boats. As he's getting dunked, which was so cool. I love the way this was edited together. Yeah, definitely. Where it, like, back and forth. I thought that scene where he was getting dunked. First of all, baptism scenes have been done so many times in so many, uh, you know, movies and shows and, and, and stuff. It's It's been done to death. But here it was, like, brutal and awful in a weird way. <laughs> and so it was really interesting on that end. And then you're like, oh, you know, what's what's Theon and what are Theon and Yara doing? And it turns out they steal these ships. And then I love how Euron's. Yaron's plan again, not to relate to politics, but like his plan is just build me more boats. Yeah, and I'll I'll win. Uh, if well, they could he, just do that, wouldn't they have done that already? What? Well, his plan. First of all, his plan is that he's going to go to Daenerys and marry her and take her army. Oh yeah. Oh, can I just say I immediately as soon as he said that, I immediately started shipping Yara and Daenerys. <laughs> immediately, <laughs> the second he said that, <laughs> and I don't ship characters, but I was like, oh. This has got to happen. She has to beat Euron to Essos <laughs> and marry Daenerys. That is the new plan for these characters. Oh, I hope so. What I hope is that Euron gets his ships and he's on the way across the sea and he sees Daenerys on her ships going the opposite direction. 
<laughs> and then like a <laughs> passing dragon just breathes yeah. fire and they all die. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah. You know what's cool? What's I gotta say, this is kind of interesting about the show. Each each region is s- sort of shifting to female rule. Have you seen this? You yes, this? you're ab- yes, absolutely. Dorn, uh, Sansa up in the north. Mm-hmm. She's clearly taking charge. John doesn't know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Yara wants to take the Iron Islands, and I think she has a pretty good shot at it. Um, and uh, Daenerys, obviously, like all these places. Actually, I wonder if that's like the general theme of the show is just shifting over to like. It seems to be clearly they haven't been. It seems to be the theme of the season, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, even if it's a little, if it even is stupid in Dorne. It's cool to see it overall as a as a recurring theme, and, and and it'd be interesting if this was, you know, so the the theme of like Lord of the one of the underlying themes of Lord of the Rings is it's supposed to be sort of a prehistory of like real Earth, yeah, <laughs> um, where like it's the end of magic and the beginning of like the the era of man and humanity and non magic things, and like that's why magic things are dying and the elves are leaving and that whole thing, and so if this was like the era of men, like male people, is ending, and it's transitioning into female people. That that would be really interesting as like a power shift, as a you know sort of a theme for the show. It'd be yeah. a very weird way to get there, but it would be interesting. <laughs> it would be a long route to get there for sure. A long but route yes. to get there, but you know, it, it wasn't going to happen without you know some some bloody conflict, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, that would actually I wouldn't be sad if that was like a theme in the show that sort of that would be cool. Know, ended yeah. the yeah, be cool. Um, in any case. Uh, so yeah, I liked. So did you did you like these this this Iron Island stuff though? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, because it, uh, you know, unlike the books, uh, it's very fast. <laughs> like I think I said in a, a week or two ago, I the first time I read the fourth book, I skipped all the uh, Iron Islands chapters uh, because I just I just didn't care. And by the way, they're from the point of view of a character who was cut from the series. Uh, right. Kind of, <laughs> there you go. He was kind of like, like vaguely merged with Euron, but not really. Like he's not an important. He's like a crazy murder like pirate and he's kind of fun but you know he, i'm i don't miss him because <laughs> you're right, kind right, of cool right, on right. his own but yeah so he there was yeah he like he joined the king's mood i think so there was like a third person vying for power but it's it doesn't matter um so yeah i, I love this scene it goes by it's uh it's cool it's it's i, I it is it is Island cool plot. and it moves again it's moving things forward moving things forward things are happening on the show it's not just yeah you know, uh, it's not just floating around. The other thing that um, I want to say is just, again, they undermine their own stupid saying that what is dead may never die thing. They're doing the whole, like, very serious dunking and doing the whole thing with Euron when they literally just said that he killed Balon, <laughs> who probably did the same stupid ritual, and then died. <laughs> so, like, like they just, yeah. Oh, and then also, like, at the very end, when um, Euron's just like, where are my niece and Nef- uh, my niece and oh, nephew. Oh, that was Let's a beautiful go moment. I, you, I wanted Let's the I wanted the Curb Your Enthusiasm music to start playing when he said yeah. that. Oh my god! It's like the most it's the most ordinary thing you could. Say. Also, murder implies criminality. Like, not kill them. Let's not find them. Let's not hunt them down. Don't bring me their heads. No, let's murder them. Like, <laughs> what? Oh, that was great. Yeah, so it was such a bizarre moment. I, I wonder where they're go- where uh, Yara and Atheon are going. By the way, because you know, yeah, presumably yeah. Noah, none of the other seven kingdoms will take them. Um, oh God, I would love I it had, if they went to. I just had a so, horrible so that thought. Would be cool. I just had a horrible thought. What if they go to Torn? <laughs> oh no! 
because it's on the coast. Know. They could pro they could sail there. They could, but this hasn't been mentioned. The only place that was mentioned was Essos, and if they're going there to beat Euron to it to sort of warn Daenerys, that could be cool. I hope that's what they're doing. I hope they don't. Because then we can ship Daenerys. And... Ah, that would be pretty great. There you go. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> that's my CSI. I really, like, I, you know I'm not a shipper, but I, I just, I the second he said I was like, this that can't happen, uh, and I don't care about Daria Naharis, and Jorah, whatever. Like, he's old. So, <laughs> it's got to be our. Uh, and they'd be a good match. So, I think it'd be cool. Well, speaking of those, uh, yeah, those three. Yeah, a good scene with Jorah and, and Dario and, and Daenerys. I like right? this scene a lot. Yeah, it yeah. was, you know, definitely the most, like, it's the closest this movie gets to a, uh, or the closest that this show has ever gotten to, like, a Remember Me style, uh, you know, dramatic uh, romance scene. But, yeah. I think it acquitted itself pretty well. It's it's. I thought it worked. There's I enough it, there's enough setup cool. for the relationship that uh that you know it works basically. Well, and they hadn't readdressed their relationship in so long that it was like I don't know is he banished or is he not? But what the hell is going on with them? You know. And so she basically sums up the whole thing like I banished you and then you came back and then I banished you again and then you came back and then you did this and then you did that. Also, I, I, the only part I didn't like about this is she's like, then you saved my life twice. Um, he did not save your life just. Yeah, that was confusing. Basically, it's like, you did all of that. Yeah, you made it very but, clear in the last episode that he was not necessary. <laughs> completely unnecessary. Uh, the one thing I liked about it though is is Dario, or I liked a lot about it. But the, the other thing I liked about it is that Dario is sort of watching this whole thing and seems to develop a a new appreciation for Jorah's struggle to be there um, uh, for Daenerys. And I think that he, because he sort of dismissed it out of hand uh, in the beginning. Uh, so it was kind of nice. Um, and I also like that Jorah just immediately reveals that he has the stone skin thing. Yeah, uh, grayscale, um, yeah. Or grayscale, yeah. And that he says that, um, like, he just kind of casually says, like, no, I'll, I'll kill myself before I go crazy. Yeah. I really yeah. like that line. Because yeah. it, you know that idea of Jorah the honorable knight uh, being completely ready to just to commit suicide rather than turn into this feral monster, uh, mm. and you know not even with a kind of nervousness or, or shaky hesitation. Not like a, if you want me to. Exactly. He's <laughs> like, it's like yeah. Exactly. She didn't even ask. He just brought it up. Yep. But but they mention a cure once, and then again he she directly orders him to go find a cure, which goes back to what I said last season, which was I think they're going to do... He's going to some way find maybe Sir Davos or someone who knows about Shireen's cure and then see if they can do it. Because that's the only person we've ever seen with Grayscale yeah, uh, yeah. who got cured. Well, That's my assumption. Well, my thinking is like, may, you know, they don't explain how she was cured, but maybe Melisandre had something to do with it. And we have a, you know, a, a Red Priestess prominently entering the story over there in this oh, episode true. so it's po it's possible that could come into play if if that's indeed how uh, her grayscale was cured but it but i will say it also gives something interesting for for jorah to do because he you know he's just followed daenerys around like a like a like a puppy for <laughs> the whole series so i'm kind of glad you know now he has like his own thing to do to go off and find a cure for this thing it could take him anywhere which is awesome if it just takes him to marine that's kind of boring yeah you know, that's the most insular journey ever that he could possibly take. 
go back to the place we've been a thousand times and, you know, talk to the Red Priestess. But, yeah, maybe that's where they're going. I don't know. Maybe he'll go to the Citadel, which is where all, you know, the knowledge of the, the maesters are. And he'll maybe. meet up And he'll meet up with Sam. Maybe. That would be that's cool. That's possible, too. That's what I'm saying. There's so many possibilities. I was like, cool, a journey for Jorah. Yeah, a journey for Jorah that's and not just he... him following Daenerys. Exactly. And if he dies along the way, then whatever. But I like that she's like, I want you by my side. Not not like that. <laughs> I think she almost, she felt like she was almost like, not like that. <laughs> but I want you by my side when we, you know, go back to, to Westeros. Yeah. And maybe that won't happen. But I like the idea of her, him at least trying to do that, which is kind of cool. Hmm. Um. So, yeah, and it's also a sweet moment for Daenerys, and she doesn't usually get stuff like that. She gets to sort of be tender. Yes, yeah, so she's all, yeah, she's so frequently, you know, the uh, the badass mother of dragons that she, right, it's been right. a really long time since she's, yeah, she's gotten a real moment of vulnerability. Yeah, like an emotional moment where she's like, you know, she feels, she feels for him, obviously, I mean, and really the reason she banished him in the first place was, st- I still think that was dumb. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. She's like, you didn't tell me that you were gonna assassinate, or that you were meant to like assassinate me, or whatever the hell he was supposed to be doing. He was, yeah, he was like, just passing I, information. But I didn't. Like... Right or whatever, like, but I, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of irrelevant, isn't yeah. it? But also, like, like no, leave. But if, you know, the other on the other hand, like Jorah should have mentioned it. He should have mentioned first thing, like you know, or like maybe he. Yeah, but I could see how he might be like that. I don't know. Maybe you should have waited a month and then be like, I have something to tell you. I sent, like, two letters to the king because I was, you know, supposed to be spying on you. Um, But I didn't tell him anything. I don't do that anymore. I have, you know, I'm done with that. Yeah, obviously, uh, you know, a risky move. But at that point in their relationship, uh, they were, she was still kind of dependent on him as an advisor, and they were pretty close. Yeah, right. By the time it came out, she was doing other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it, yeah. It it probably should have come out sooner, but still, like the original. It was not. It was not. It, it was dumb on both sides. <laughs> it was dumb on both sides. Um, but speaking of uh, Marine, we do go to Tyrion after this. And, yes. Uh, and actually, it's funny. You said Mother of Dragons. I <laughs> this scene was really funny. Uh, oh, yeah. Tyrion's referring to da- Daenerys, and he's like, <laughs> you know, she's the Mother of Dragons, maker of chains. All that. <laughs> yes. I can't even remember all her titles. That was great. That was funny, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so uh, so this new Red Priestess, what did you think of this? Um, I think it's interesting that we have yet another plot line where a Lannister is kind of handing over an entire city to religious extremists. Um, not to the <laughs> not to the extent that the uh, that Cersei handed over King's Landing to the High Sparrow, but there are some shades of like, I think we're kind of meant to connect that to what Tyrion does here. You think? I think so because you know this Red Priestess is a little shady, um, certainly in what in terms of what she's telling Varys, uh, which is super weird. Um, she seems to have yeah, that was bizarre. Definitely has the same kind of powers as Melisandre, or you know, maybe even greater. Who knows? We don't know anything about her. Yeah, but the mm-hmm. idea that we she we don't even know her name, do we? Uh, did she say it? It's uh, she's credited as Kinvara. Kinvara. I don't remember okay, if they right. say it, but that's her name. Um, but yes, so the idea that they are kind of entrusting power to this uh, religious leader in order to uh, kind of quell the unease in the city is. Certainly, you know, reminiscent of what happened with the High Sparrow. Yeah, but Cersei, Cersei knows they're crazy, and are, she's deliberately trying to 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 mess with Marjorie. Whereas this That's is true. this is 
when when Tyrion picks her, he, before he they introduce her, he says, "I want someone who can't be bought," or or I think he's the one who says, "Someone who can't be bought or influenced," or maybe it's Varys. And one of the two says yeah. that, and then. But of course, you know, up. of course, the problem with that becomes like now, you know, that includes you. You can't buy or influence her, right? So now you've right. just given her Which this position of power, and you have no control over her. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, it's an interesting kind of strange, almost lateral move, but I guess they seem to think that that will work at least temporarily. Um, yeah, I guess so. And, and maybe they just think that she'll step aside when Daenerys comes back (laughs) because I I don't know. I do like Varys challenging her on all this, you know, like you seem to say a lot of stuff and this person thinks it's that person is going to be the new, whatever the hell thing you're doing. Uh, and then she sort of quiets him with a bunch of personal information about his well, life, uh, the which imp- was the implication super that, weird. Yeah, that uh, Varys was castrated by a red priest. Um, mm. Very, very interesting. Certainly, you know, would explain why he is so... Uh, well, first of all, it doesn't really explain why he agrees to bring her in, but it does explain why he is so uh, quick to uh, kind of attack everything she says, very mistrustful of this religion in yeah, general. But- but he's never talked about the Lord of Light specifically. It's kind of weird. It's almost like some sorcerer or something did something to him, and it, that was all nonsense. But <laughs> uh, but they that person accidentally tapped into the Lord of Light stuff, and so that's why this because that I, I, if there was a more direct connection between this religion and then you might have seen Varys actually react to. He seemed to just say things that were generally skeptical of religion, not specifically. To me, he seemed to be like attacking her religion, in but you know, he he seemed to be skeptical of the Lord of Light in particular because what he was saying specifically was like, look, you know, we had a we had Melisandre over in Westeros, and she said something completely different, and she was obviously wrong. So why should we, you know? And you could take that as a maybe a general skepticism of religion, like Tyrion says. But I, based on what she says about, you know. uh, the events of of his castration and the fact that fire was prominently involved apparently it, it suggested to me that the Lord of Light was involved maybe maybe indirectly sure but I got the impression that this was a you know red priest that was doing this whether or not right I guess that. we just don't we don't really know or 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 it had nothing to do with red priest stuff but because of the Lord of Light was this priestess was able to learn what happened to him that yeah exactly. So it may have not the original event may not have had nothing to do with the the Lord of Light yeah. religion. Um, I did like though I like the Tyrion and Varys playing good cop bad cop, <laughs> and I also like someone. I also like someone shutting Varys up really quick, which is <laughs> uh, which was kind of cool. Um, she's I like her. I like the new the new princess. I just I, I guess I just hope she has enough different about her from Melisandre because she seems very similar. She seems extremely similar to Melisandre. So I'm kind of I'm a little worried about that, but we'll. We'll see. Yeah, well, especially since she's we're... She's the same necklace. Exactly, yeah. Well, that got me thinking about whether she's also disguising her age, um, mm. which maybe that'll come into play because that's obviously how we opened the season. But, mm. so that, you know, yeah, I'm very... Like I said, she's a very shady character right now, so I'm kind of worried about <laughs> Tyrion and Varys' decision here. Yeah, it seems like it might end badly, as it often does in Game of Thrones, but hopefully it'll be resolved. And I think Tyrion's one of the few characters who might actually survive to the end of the series, so I'm never really worried for his safety. Well, there one of the characters of... who I thought that about, um, we'll get to that. So, who knows? Oh, interesting. Okay, all right. Um, yeah, so then uh, we go back to, to Bran, I guess. Oh, is there... Did I skip... Oh, no, no, okay, so we go back to Bran, 
briefly, and then we go to the wall, and then we come back. Yeah. To Bran. Okay. So there's Bran. Uh, this is when he says the Night King thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he's he's right, he's so, bored. He can't sleep. I love the idea that um, you know. We we only see them kind of you know doing the training in the cave. We don't really focus on the fact that they're also living in the cave and not really moving from the same spots day after day. I like how Mira's a little bit later when they're leaving. Mira's like, "We don't have to eat moss anymore." Yeah. I'm like, "Oh God, <laughs> I know it's awful." Uh, I feel yeah, I feel really bad for Mira in general. Um, oh my God, yeah. But yeah, so the I love the idea that uh, first of all, the, the three-eyed raven he is just up there all the time. Um, when he's just sitting up there, it you know, it kind of resembles like a throne. So I didn't really get, you know, it didn't really hit me until this moment. That I was like, oh, like he, like he just never moves. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> he, he sleeps no, there. <laughs> um. So yeah, that was. Uh, so that was that was funny. But this moment, I think, confirms what I was just randomly speculating about, uh, and that I had sent you an article about, like this suspicion or this theory of that. Bran can time travel or something weird like that. Yeah. Oh, that, well, that's, so I think this almost confirms a little bit of that. Well, that's explicitly confirmed at the end of the episode, but yeah. Well, yeah, it is. You're right, it is. But we even get it sooner than that right here because um, this whole thing is bizarre. <laughs> so Bran's bored, goes into this <laughs> He's random memory, sees like the zombie, the whites or whatever, yeah. walks past all of them. They don't seem to recognize him, but they're zombies, right? And then <laughs> walks past all of them. The the Night King looks directly at him uh, and then touches him, uh, like grabs his arm. And Bran's like, oh, crap. And uh, then he, he sort of snaps out of it and tells the, three, uh, the, the three-eyed the raven that the Night King saw him and, again, knows who the Night King is. That This is the part where he reveals that he knows who the Night King is, even though they've never explained this in the show at any point, I don't think. So, but whatever. So I guess that's the Night King is the main White Walker guy. And uh, and then uh, the Three-Eyed Raven tells him, <laughs> the time has come for you to become me. And then Red's like, am I ready? And he's like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, he's not missing, mincing words in that moment. But also, would it become me? Are they the same person? What, or is he gonna fulfill his role? Yeah, that's that's what I or... assumed. Like to you know take his place in the tree. Um, though that doesn't or happen, maybe of course. Not. Or yeah, or, or maybe know. not. Who knows? I, it's very unclear. Yeah, nothing about this plot is clear. <laughs> it, it's really not, which I th I like. Yeah, no, then yeah. you don't know where it's going, and it feels like it has a purpose. Like they know what's going. On. Like the, I don't like when the it feels like the showrunners don't know where something's going. Um, for a good example of this, not to completely sidetracked this but did you ever watch Joan of Arcadia no I but I know of it right uh, I think Amber Tamblyn is the yeah, yeah. lead on that show oh my god so old show right <laughs> and that was a show where like in each episode God would appear to Amber Tamblyn's character and talk to her and <laughs> throughout the end like you know would appear in different people and you know give a life lesson or something and she would go on but as the show would go on it got cancelled right but mm -hmm. as the show would go on they kept implying there was going to be this big battle between like hell and heaven it was like, this whole thing <laughs> and then the show was just cancelled and I'm fairly sure I don't want to you know I don't want to I'm just making this up but I'm, our, my family was watching it and we were like investing in what was going on that the show um was canceled because they didn't actually know what they were going to do with this big conflict they were building towards because hmm. they just kept hinting at it. But like, what are you going to do? Like a, 
angel devil battle in a show where that takes place in like suburbia what like, it wouldn't make any sense whatsoever so like that irritates me when a show doesn't seem to know where it's going on that end well, they seem to be building in this case it's like they're giving us bits and pieces and they know full well where it's going it's just we don't and that's fine with me um i just don't want a lost style thing where from what I understand, it is kind of unclear as to what the hell happened in that show. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't so much unclear as, um, you know, like, the mechanics of what happened in the finale were clear. It's just that um, it, it wasn't really explained what any of it meant. So, you know, for, you know, we saw a guy uh, pushing a lever or, you know, unplugging something and then plugging it back in. And we kind of, we understood what followed from that, but not why that caused anything that was happening. Um, exactly. As long as we don't get something like that, I'll be okay with it. Yeah. And you I, know you what know, I mean? I, I just want a little bit of, as long you can feed me bits and pieces, as long as you've got the big picture in your head. That, that, that I'm fine with. Um, so, and that's what I feel like is happening so so far. So I'm I'm down with this plot line. Yeah, and a good example, a good example of that. It is. A good example of that me- uh, mechanical thing is the idea that um, first of all, that the Night King can uh, physically interact with Bran while he's in this flashback, or you know, mm. where he's in this you know uh, whatever state astral projection, I guess. Right, um, right, right. That he physically, he physically interacts with him, and then because his mark is on Bran, uh, the magical protection of the tree is no longer valid. Mm. Um, Which that was cool. a moment where we're like, uh, okay, <laughs> if you say so. I mean, I get it. I didn't know they were protected in the first place. I didn't realize it was a yeah. Because at the end of um, at the end of season four, there's you know, the the whites run into the magic barrier because they and they can't cross it. Oh, okay. All right. I thought they were just. I thought that was the children of the forest like blowing them up. Or does that? All... I think the three eyed oh, okay, raven. I, guess... I think the three eyed raven does say like they can't get in here or something. Um, oh, okay. Maybe that's it. But yeah, right. the idea that that's... well, no, I guess. I guess that sort of makes that it works. It's fine. Um, no, I think it's it like, also not... indicates that there's something special about it. It's not like the, anyone. It's specifically Bran who gets such, and I think that maybe that's also significant, that maybe Bran was part of the magical barrier and doesn't realize it. I guess so, um, yeah. It, but it was just a moment where it was like, uh, okay, is, I guess that's a rule, <laughs> if you say so. But a good example, but I mean, a, a good example of a, a mechanic they built over a couple of episodes and didn't really, was, was that, you know, when they're at the tower, the Tower of Joy, right? Is that what yeah. It's um, and he says something to uh, to Ned, or he, yeah, he tries to call to his dad, and his dad turns around. Yeah. Um, and then here we sort of get confirmation that that, that can't happen. I, that's a cool way of building that, because, you know, that's a good way to, like, keep the audience going, oh, what's going on, without, and then you don't have to ever follow up on that. Um, but here they, you know, they immediately give you sort of a payoff to it. And it's like, they have a set of rules and mechanics that they've got in their head and, and they're, again, they're feeding it to us. And I think it, I think it works pretty well. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's, it's a huge expansion on the books because the idea in the books oh, was that, huge. yeah, yeah. Because the idea in the book is that <laughs> on he, the show, <laughs> the idea is that he can see, um, cause the, the weirwood trees have faces on them. So the right. idea is that when he connects to this tree, he can see through the eyes of the, of right. the trees so that he can, he can see past events. Um, but the idea of the, of the trees in the books that they don't, they don't really talk about the trees, but they're really significant to Northern culture and you pray at them. And the idea is, you know, sometimes, you know, you could, you might be able to hear voices, hear the voices of your ancestors, uh, stuff like that. Uh, but there's a scene, I think, I think it's in book two. I don't really remember where Theon goes to this, to pray at the tree and he hears someone say his name and he's like, Oh, what was that? Oh. Uh, and then. All the way in book five, or, or whatever it is, we see a scene with Bran where he's like kind of flying through all these trees, and he mentions that he stops and he sees Theon, and he says, Theon, 
and then he goes away. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's kind of, in the books, the extent of his ability to, you know, change the past. But, you know, so the idea that he can... This is basically, this is kind of a huge revelation, and I don't know if the books will really do this much. But, yeah, the idea that he can literally time travel and change the past is a big deal. It's crazy. Yeah, and we get that real confirmation a little bit later. Um, oh, so one thing I wanted to say earlier uh, that I didn't mention about Theon, speaking of Theon, he puts on Greyjoy armor. He looks so great. I was so yeah, happy he cuts to his see hair, him too. And, like, and it's, he cuts his hair. He looks nice. He yeah. looks nice. He looks, he looks like Yeah, He looks like season two Theon. <laughs> Yeah, he looks scrawny and, and sort of sad, but, <laughs> you know, he's got his armor on. And um, we didn't talk about this a couple of episodes ago, uh, but we're about to see, go back to John. Um, John has, uh, like, Starky armor on before the whole Sansa thing, uh, has, like, sort of Stark-like armor on, uh, which is interesting. Uh, even in previous episodes this season um, it, that you and I talked about privately, I don't know if we talked about it in the, in the podcast, uh, and then here it's even further pushed with uh, Sansa giving him this um, uh, this Ned-like armor, which is kind of cool. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's just cool. A lot of these characters are sort of getting their, their mojo back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, at the wall. So uh, uh, Sansa is keeping the Littlefinger stuff a secret, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, I um, like that. Well, I, I got the impression that she was kind of like, look, if I tell Jon, like, it's going to be a whole thing. And like I just I just don't have time for it right now because we got to go to Winterfell. <laughs> well, and also maybe he doesn't. Maybe she, you know, like think about like real humans who went through real trauma. Like they don't. Maybe she doesn't want to talk about what happened. You know, yeah. she doesn't want to get questioned about what happened because that's just going to make John act irrationally and go crazy, right? And it's going to be painful for her. You know, like and for a lot of reasons, it's just something that she probably doesn't want to talk about. So she probably was just like, yeah, whatever. Blackfish is alive. Just whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is that <laughs> we have an army. Um. So that was cool, uh, and then also uh, we get some uh, some goofy Tormund. <laughs> yeah, we get another yet another phenomenal shot of Tormund looking at Brienne <laughs> and Brienne not being amused. Um, the, every every moment of this relationship is becomes a gif instantly. Oh man, it's perfect, and also you know, uh, you know, this is like an actor's dream come true. Um, he just gets because he's been so gruff and and funny and good and excellent <laughs> so far, but now he gets to just be completely different um <laughs> for these scenes and it's so great yeah. it's really fantastic so um an interesting thing about what when they're kind of planning their attack basically the idea of this scene is that um the three major houses of the north besides the starks are the uh well obviously the bolts and the boltons they are the um what is it the car starks and what's the other one uh that's allied with the boltons shoot i don't remember ah this is uh Okay, but because so there's the Karstarks, there's another one, and there's the Manderleys, and you know the third kind of secondary major house, and they don't really talk about the Manderleys. You know, they don't say that the Manderleys are allied with the Boltons, so I don't think they are. Um, so I guess the implication is that they'll go to them for help. But uh, you know, the the Manderleys are really, really at least one man, the head of the house, is. Uh, really 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 cool and he's a really cool character who gets to gets to say some cool stuff so i hope that the manderleys kind of come into play um since they brought them up interesting interesting yeah yeah that'll be interesting i also thought it was funny in this scene where davos sort of takes charge and like blah 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 blah, and says like do you know anything about the north he's like well no (laughs) but and says like you don't know what you're talking about let me let me outline this for you (laughs) 
and then she's outlining it, and uh, and then she mentions the, the the veil and the rest of it, and and Devil's like, well, if we have that, then maybe we might have a shot. You know, it's like you didn't contribute anything to this conversation. <laughs> You're just like the the knight in the room. So and Melisandre's there too. She just doesn't say anything. Nope, nothing. She's just sitting there. She's there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also like so so that she makes she gets uh so John gets this armor stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, he looks good in it. And uh, from from Sansa, I don't really know what the significance of that is, especially since it seems like Sansa's the one who's sort of taken the Stark thing, and John's sort of sad. And I guess it's in her. It's her acknowledging, you know, this whole episode really is her kind of acknowledging him as her brother in a way that she always, you know, she always rejected him. Uh, obviously, we which is <laughs> this is going back is to nice. This is going back to season one. Obviously, they didn't spend a whole lot of time on screen together, but they were all, you know, she kind of. She didn't treat him as a brother in the way that Arya did or Rob did. So this is a, I think this is a moment where she, and then throughout the episode where she, you know, out of genuine love, but also out of kind of necessity. It's like, you're the only brother I have left, and I'm sorry that I ever rejected you because now I need you. And, I, you know, I don't think that she's being, you know, I don't think that she's using John or that she's faking any of this. Nope. But I, I, I like the idea that she is now, her making this armor, this coat, or whatever it is, is her like, you know, embracing him as a Stark in a way that she had. Right, before. right, and 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 Ned's, and but the thing is, it feels like she's saying you're Ned's heir, right? Because Rob's gone, so you're it, right? So, and that's an interesting thing to say, but a, no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, and second of all, she's the one who's really doing all the hard work here. She's the one who negotiates with Littlefinger, which is not easy. She's the one who who figures out who's like telling Jorah what's what. Uh, she makes this armor, and she's you know basically she seems to be the head of the Stark household. And in fact, she probably is because Jon's gonna go off and be a Targaryen or whatever the hell he's gonna do. Hmm. So she will be the head of the household again, leading to this like female takeover of Westeros. Um, which is kind of cool, uh, but it's just funny to have the scene because it's almost like she's like, "You can be Ned's heir, but actually you're not." So, but like we know that, but she, she doesn't know that. So it's it's just a funny moment to me because you're right in the sense of you're my brother. It's great, but in the sense of like a couple episodes ago, I would have expected this to be a moment where John sort of becoming a real Stark whole thing because we were so focused on John, but John's sort of faded into the background and Sansa's definitely stepped forward. Yeah, and you know, it is ultimately... Does John even say anything this episode? Barely. Yeah, well, he has the great line where um, he says, I like the wolf part of the I like armor. The wolf part, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's... You know, it's a... You know, I said that I don't think Sansa's faking this, obviously, but it is ultimately no. a moment where, you know, if, he, if she's going to unite the smaller houses of the North... Uh, you know, I don't think they probably will rally behind Ned Stark's daughter because they love the Starks. But having Ned Stark's son, even if he's a bastard, and you know he was the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, so he's obviously going to command some respect. So it's good to have him on your side. Having it on this exactly, but as long as that sort of, it's interesting because I both want him to be important, but also clearly Sansa's taken charge in a way that she never has before, and that's pretty cool too. So it's like a a. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic they've got going on. Um, the other thing uh, I thought was funny about this, just briefly, is uh, uh, when they leave. I'm so excited to see them start negotiating with houses. I've been waiting for this a while. Yeah, for yeah. A while. Um, I like how 
Ed's too bashful to be the Lord Commander. <laughs> he has no idea what he's... Oh, he's like, great. I'm not the Lord Commander. Well, yeah, but then he, everybody's like waiting for him to say something. Yeah, he immediately forgets that he's the Lord Commander. Yeah. <laughs> and But then everybody's yeah. like listening. He's like, oh, yeah, sh- shut, the, shut the gate. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I love that they have to ask him whether or not to shut the gate. Right. Like, of course, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, just leave it open. Yeah, exactly. Leave it open. We'll be fine. We're not like <laughs> trying to protect the entire friggin' wow, wow. Um, but that's you know that's how chain of command works. You don't do things unless you're told to. So yeah. Um, I just thought that was funny. Also, I like how they spent so much time building up the different like, you know, these are the rangers and these are the whatever and this like that seems to be completely irrelevant now because there's so few of them left. Yeah. It's just funny how much they built up the Night's Watch and like now it's that's just true. Random. Yeah, because there used to be so many of them. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. There was Eamon. You remember Eamon? You remember all that stuff with the? Yeah, I, yeah. Remember, yeah. I remember that there was a character <laughs> with that name. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so in any case, uh, so yeah, back to okay. So first thing before this scene had started, I didn't know what was coming. Right, I didn't know anything, and nothing was spoiled for me. Thank oh, good, thankfully. Um, which is unusual in the show. <laughs> uh. My first comment in my notes was Hodor understands so much human stuff that he can't be. Oh, did I talk about the horse theory? Have we talked about that? Um, what? 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 what, what? <laughs> the theory that Hodor was a horse is a horse. <laughs> did we talk so. about this? <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you not heard this? I don't think did I not so. send you this? <laughs> okay. So uh, pretend like you didn't see this episode, right? Okay. okay. So there was this theory for a long time that. <laughs> Uh, that apparently people have had, it was on Reddit and a bunch of other stuff, that Hodor was actually a horse. And what happened was <laughs> he his consciousness got swapped with a horse through some warging mishap. <laughs> and so that's why, like, he, he gets freaked out in thunderstorms and, like, why he made noise. It, like, his, he can't, like, keep quiet and, like, he, like, starts bucking around and why he carries Bran around on his back because he's actually a horse. Right, and it made so much sense. I was like, "Oh my god, Hodor is a horse!" But so, also, like, he doesn't have to be a horse to do any of those things. No, he absolutely doesn't. <laughs> but then he's having this conversation. He was having a conversation, I guess. He's sort of listening to, um, uh, to Mira like tell him stuff. And my first comment was in my notes: Hodor understands so much human stuff he can't be a horse. <laughs> like that was how I introduced the scene to myself. <laughs> like no horse understands this much human language. Why was this dialogue going on in my head? <laughs> Someone completely ruined it for me, like by telling me this theory because I thought it was the best theory going yet that Hodor is really a horse. Um, oh my god! Yeah, I don't know. Uh. The whole thing was. It, it sounds ridiculous. It's better than the the Varys is a merman thing because at oh, least I mean... it seems to make some level of sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, I will say also, uh, I thought was really was really cool about this this whole sequence uh, was how it was edited. There's a lot of really good editing in this episode. Yeah, and I really liked how the memory and the dialogue in the memory was contrasted so well with the conflicts, you know, of what's going on in the 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 real world. Like it's going back and forth between these two things, and I just I don't know. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my my main thing with this scene is that um you know also good editing on like the camera work like you could see what was going on yeah the whole oh sequence. seeing what's going on a plus a plus <laughs> <laughs> but so my thing with this is like 
here, Game of Thrones is a show that uh, it, it has never surprised me. And, you know, that's because I have obviously read the books in advance, but also, <laughs> but also it's because, you know, even when it's something that I haven't read, it's generally kind of a predictable show. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I kind of envy the experience of people watching who genuinely don't know what's coming and who have those, who see the shocking moments as, like, really shocking. It's like, oh, my God, like the Red Wedding or Ned or whatever. Um, so I kind of, in this moment, like, I got that joy. When Mira walks outside Did you, you and didn't she see sees, this coming at all? And she sees the White Walkers. I was, I, that, I was like, oh, my God. I, I think I probably was, I probably said that out loud. Like, holy <laughs> shit, they're there already. Um, right. I didn't see it coming at all, and I'll be, you know, I, I think I just have to stop underestimating the pace of this season because, like we were saying, oh my over god, over, it just they just it's just rocketing this. forward. But yeah, so, that could have been three episodes worth of buildup. Yeah, yeah, you know the fact, and it, it really the hits just kept on coming in the sequence. First of all, the fact that they were there immediately, I didn't even think we were going to see mm-hmm. Bran again this episode. I thought it was going to be a cliffhanger that last scene, but you know, the White Walkers are there. They attack. Another shot of the White Walkers walking through fire. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the White Walkers walk Because clearly fire. they're going to not be able to walk through Dragonfire. Come on, we know that's coming. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be a thing where, like, Dragonfire kills one of them or something. It's going to be a whole thing. Yeah, so yeah. Whatever. And then, the se- um, you know, second shocking moment. Um, they walk up to the Three-Eyed Raven and kill him. Oh, yeah. I couldn't believe Straight that. Up. Which, first Just of all, him. fantastic head fake casting Max von Sydow. Um, you know, legendary actor Max von Sydow. <laughs> He's barely in the show, and they kill him off five right. episodes in. Well, how about him being in The Force Awakens? Not to ruin anything, but he's, like, barely in that movie. <laughs> yeah, this twice like the first, like, him. five minutes of that film. Yeah. Um, well, I hope he's enjoying the paychecks um, of both these projects. Well, I think he went, hey, I'm famous. I should be in things <laughs> just because. Like, why not? Yeah, exactly. Do you want to be on set for, like, five days? Because you can make a bundle. Like, <laughs> now, that's awful. I don't know that he's doing this. Maybe he likes Game of Thrones. Maybe he watches Game of Thrones. I don't know. Yeah, um, well, and by the way, um, the effects, the special effects on this show, I rarely uh, have opportunity to praise. Um, but the effect of him dying in the flashback was extraordinary. Oh my god, it was so good! Yeah, I didn't even write anything about that, but that was the coolest thing where he just sort of like yeah, he like you see the slice, of yeah, paper. you see the slice yeah. into him, and then he kind of like you know he poofs and he like evaporates into like shadow and smoke little bits oh that was so it's incredible cool. it's the first time like a special effect on the show has really been like, like that to, of that uh caliber because usually... i didn't like what was happening and i didn't like the like the sequence or anything about it but i like the special effect of the shadow baby in season two that was cool i thought that was cool that was also in the weird. dark though. it was weird because so... we haven't seen it before yeah you know what i mean like dragons we've seen before we've seen giants yeah, yeah. before but uh 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 the, the shadow baby was freaking weird and that was cool and then this was another weird cool moment yeah. too so yeah i like that but it was also like um it wasn't just you know the shadow baby it really looked cool especially the scene where it kills renly it looks awesome um yeah, yeah but yeah. it also like it's kind of unavoidable that it looked like a tv effect you know what i mean and it's i'm not yeah, knocking sure. it for that because obviously you can only do so much and it really does look really good um but it looks like this it looked like a tv effect and this didn't this looked like you know they stepped their game up and you could see this in a movie it just looked that good, and it's obvious, you know, it's not as complicated an effect. Me, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea whatsoever if this was like a complicated <laughs> effect or not. Um, right, right, right. But maybe compared to a sh- the shadow, baby it wasn't very long. Of... Yeah, but it, it looks, wasn't very long. It yeah. looks really, really, really good. Yeah, I just remember seeing this like I, my mouth was open. I thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah. Um. 
That was cool. I like that they kept focusing on this one child of the forest. Is that the singular? I don't know. Um, <laughs> who was the one who I think also did the first White Walker? Did the the Night King? Also, are there no be, more yeah. children of the forest? Are they all dead? Oh yeah, we we don't know how many of them there are left. Maybe they'll meet some, you know, some other ones uh, later on now that they're on their own. But well, they've made that universe seem so small because it's the same one who created them and is also still at that tree. And it's like, are there? Is that? Are you the last ones? Or because <laughs> I mean, they were. That was the whole point. Is they needed help. That's why they created the White Walkers in the first place. Um, also, I would have thought that they would have been able to contribute something. Like we created them, we also know how to kill them, but they didn't say anything. Uh, and yet. We have yet another White Walker dying. How many of them are there even left? Uh, well, we see the four, right? We saw four, and then Mira kills one, which is awesome, by the way. Yeah. So there's, th- yeah. We first of all, we don't know how many of them there are in general. If these are just like the leaders, um, right? Yeah, maybe that like, would be interesting if there or... were only three White Walkers left. But like, they have the army of zombies, and that's enough. Right. Right. Exactly. But then I wouldn't. I wouldn't keep walking into things. <laughs> Like, don't put your... You have literally thousands of zombies uh, who are everywhere. Um, also, I I, I'm, I don't want to, like, poke holes in the believability of this scene, but they have these this huge army of zombies that doesn't surround the hill. And also, they're climbing all over the hill in the beginning. Like, because they can't go through the fire, they start climbing up and swarming the hill and other places. But when they come out on the other side of the door at the end, there's no one there. Yeah... Yeah. You know, it's like, I know there's a blizzard going on and everything, and so you sort of be like, oh, well, it's a blizzard, so they couldn't see them, but eh, whatever. Um, but, yeah, like, yeah. they live in the snow. Like, these are, the whole thing is they're snow people. Like, that's all, but whatever. Oh, I also like um, the, the, the idea that the you say that the White Walker goes in when, you know, he doesn't really have to, but I like the implication that, like, this is personal for some reason. I oh, don't really yeah. understand. That the White well, Walkers have a personal connection to the Three-Eyed Raven, so, like, he, you know, they they really want to do it. Certainly to the children of the forest. Yeah. Certainly to them, and I wonder if they kind of hate. Maybe they don't like being White Walkers. Oh, <laughs> they're like that would be you, interesting. You, you damn me to an eternal life of being, you know, yeah, of being like a monster. Devil. Yeah, why would that's horrible? Why would you do that? <laughs> um, but we did see the baby turn into a White Walker earlier on. Yeah, they're making more. Remember, so maybe there are more. Maybe they they've been. There's a whole thing of them. Maybe yeah. we haven't even seen. Maybe this is just a scouting party. Who the hell knows? Yeah, we know that they have the ability to make more, and that they are. So yeah, there must be more. Intentionally, I'm assuming. Or or that was a throwaway moment, just so they could connect it to book stuff that they had to do. <laughs> that would be weird if that never came back. Eh, there's stuff in the show, you know. I don't know. Um, you never know. I mean, remember Roz? Remember how long they spent on Roz? <laughs> that wasn't even in the books, and then all for the purpose of her dying. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, so. I keep, everyone thought that was building to something because why would you put it in the book? <laughs> I mean, why would you put it in the show? Um. So yeah, I. So what did you think about this 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 sequence? Um. This this like the moment you know. Okay. Uh, so this, the sacrifice, the 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 before that, the the child of the forest, you know, like. Oh yeah, the um, grenade sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was our. Yeah, Go that was on fine. without was... me. <laughs> not obviously not like super effective because more just kept coming, but um. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it was it gave him a little bit of time. And by the way, while I, you know, we've seen this a thousand times, the like go on without me thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, most notably in Mass Effect Three, where every character does this. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's true, right? I I just um, replayed that, and yeah, it's true. And some of them die, and some of them don't. But yeah, it happens constantly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, 
but what's cool about this moment is I like how well it's not cool but it's interesting is it goes on for a while they're like stabbing her for a while yeah it goes on it's really hard to watch it's like <laughs> awful but effective it, it made it slightly different than your average scene where someone just does it and then you don't see them again we even got it in the episode watchers uh watchers on the wall or is it is that the episode with the whole battle at the wall yeah with the when the giants coming in and they have that final showdown yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly so we even had that there it was sort of similar um uh but yeah so that was good and then yeah so so let's yeah let's talk about the the thing the thing so did, so did you like this I don't know, um, because yeah, me neither. Because part of me is like, this is so dumb, you know. <laughs> I know. Genuinely, part That's of me is I like, wrote, this I wrote, is the I dumbest can't tell thing. If this is really smart or really precious choice. Yeah. That's what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like, I mean, first of all, I don't know. First of all, the idea of like hanging the emotional climax of this episode on, you know, on not just Hodor's death but his backstory. Um, right. is a strange choice just because of the character Hodor is. Like like I said earlier in the episode, I kind of thought Hodor was going to make it to the end just because he's like, you know, it's Hodor. It's like, I just didn't imagine a version of this show where he got a dramatic death scene. <laughs> <laughs> Me um, neither, yeah. It was really similar to like, um, it was similar to what I thought uh, about like Dobby before the seventh Harry Potter book. It was like, obviously, well, it's like, I'm thinking about characters who are going to survive. Obviously, Dobby's going to survive. He's like, what? Yeah, why would they what? do They're anything gonna, like, for Dobby? They're going to give yeah. a huge scene where Dobby dies it's Dobby he's like, but and and yet <laughs> and yet but yeah and so and yet we have this scene with Hodor and yeah so and much of... like that I still wonder at the, the wisdom of that I, I you know in, the, in both cases I really don't know if this was worth it I don't know <laughs> I like the Dobby scene you know the Dobby scene isn't kind of um tangled up in bizarre time travel logic uh true so it has the benefit of that <laughs> Um, so, so one thing I'll, I'll say about this, I think the one I probably would have less of a problem with this if they weren't so obvious, like not obvious, uh, on the nose or I don't know how to describe it, where they have him literally saying "hold the door" until he like transitions into Hodor. Like we get it. Yeah, it, it goes on for a little. <laughs> that it became yeah. Hodor over time. You didn't have to do this. Well, I I've, I've kind of figured out. Like... I kind of figured out what they were going for around the second time that Mira said "hold the door." Yeah, exactly. I, I like, immediately knew oh, what was going on. I was like, oh my that's... god, they're gonna do the thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 So the, and which was you know, it's a cool. First of all, like I like I said the first time we got that flashback with Hodor, I was like I wasn't I wasn't uh, hankering for like Hodor's backstory on this show of all things. Um, so yeah, the so this is what it is. Uh, the fact that I'm I'm still trying to break down what even happened. So, Bran is in the flashback with Hodor as a child. We understand that he can kind of have an interaction with the things he's flashing back to. Um, he is in this trance state, and Mira shouts to Hodor to hold the door uh, to not let the whites come through. And then Bran, I guess, hears this, you know, through the trance in the flashback. And well, and also, well, she also she also yells to Bran and tells him that you have to warg into. Yes, that's Hodor it. That's the connection. Yes. So he he tries to, you know, he hears he tries to warg into Hodor, but that has the effect of connecting to Hodor the the child version, and. This well, no, he looks like he directly tries to warg into the child version. Does like, he? That, that, like that wouldn't just... make... I, don't, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know what how that would help him in that situation, but it seemed to me like it was more of an, you know, like well, maybe, kind of a casualty. Well, maybe he's figured out that he can affect the past because he's already sort of suspicious that he can. And so maybe he's like, well, I can't get out of this because I don't know. Maybe he doesn't... 
that's what I don't understand. Is Bran doesn't a he's not touching a root anymore. So how is he doing this? Yeah, he doesn't seem to know and how to get all, out of it. He doesn't seem to know how to get out of it. So maybe he's like the only thing I can do is warg into this Hodor and hope that it affects future Hodor. Yeah. So but this has the you know this is, for some reason is like really I guess you know I, I say for some reason but like I kind of even if I don't understand exactly what's going on I get why this would be traumatic to someone. <laughs> I could see that, yeah. It's like, yeah, someone kind of taking over your brain as a conduit to your future self's brain. Right. Um, but yeah, so, the, but you know, the, the general thing is that the young Hodor lat is then connected to his future self, I guess, and here's, here's the phrase, hold the door, and this, he, because he's traumatized, he kind of latches onto that, and then for his whole life, that's or, the only Or thing it sort say. of clicks with his future self. Like, maybe he's not warging into his future self. Like, it doesn't look like Hodor in the future is warg, being warged. No. It's just that... He's like, oh, this is the moment my whole life has been building towards. Oh my god, I have to do this now. Um, yeah. But what's funny? What's funny about that though is, we're not funny about it. Like, Bran must be super important because basically you sacrifice this poor man's entire life yeah. oh, of god, being like so bad. a guy whose only job it was to die to save this kid. Yep. He better be really, really important. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's. One of the most tragic deaths on the entire show, which is saying something. I'm, right. Like I'm hard pressed to think of one that's that is genuinely sadder than this. Yeah, because the idea that this poor guy, um, you know, really he's only you can only say Hodor, and he's you know just a simple guy in general. Um, you can't do much except carry around Bran. So he carries Bran all the way north of the Wall. He sits in a cave for like however long, eating moss. And then he his last act is to again hold the door so that zombies can't kill Bran. And in this moment, it's unclear whether he remembers. You know, he realizes what's going on. We, I think he probably does. I don't think he remembered his entire life that you know that this was going to happen. But I think in this moment, he kind of remembers. You know, the event and and connects it in his head. Uh, right. And you could see like on you can see in the actor's face. By you know by the way. We're not going to see this guy again, unfortunately, but fantastic actor, Chris, Christian Yeah, Nair, I think. He's done such a good job as Hodor. Um, he was, he's fantastic, I and mean, he really sells this scene, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It really, um, it, it's really, I think, because of his performance that the scene works, you know. It, absolutely. Because, he, you know, the terror and the sadness on his face as he tries to, you know. Cause he, and his commitment, too. Exactly, yeah, because he really does care about Bran and Mira, probably, and... He does, you know, he's trying to save their lives, but he's also in this moment. You can tell, like, he kind of recognizes that, you know, this, this is, is the end for him. Yeah, this is it. This is the end, and uh, and and that probably that you know this is kind of what his whole life has been building towards in a really sad yeah. way. Um, so that's yeah, just a sad, sad moment. What a sad life Hodor has led. Yeah, what a, it's so sad. It's just, yeah, I, I'm kind of wondering what the message is there. It's kind of bizarre. Um, and then I started thinking about, I guess, you know, going along with this female, like, you know, taking charge thing. Bran, I can't see dying at this point. No. I think he has to make it to the finale. So, are at they least gonna, like, finale. he and Mira are going to be a thing? And yeah, well, Mira... He, because, uh, I don't know what's going on. Mira is one of those characters who, like, not really like Littlefinger, kind of like where Littlefinger's at now, where it's like, you know, they're kind of along for the ride on the major storylines. But they have been around for so long that it's it's weird that we it's weird that they aren't more important to the actual like you know plot events. Uh, like Mira's just kind of been there for everything that's been going on. Not that I you know I'm, I, and I like Mira as a character, um, 
for all the character that we get of her. But right, right. You know, but I think they might be building her more because now it's there's no one well, else. Oh yeah, to they'll get, have so to. There's no because... Raven. There's no Children of the Forest. There's no Hodor. So it's just them together. Yeah. I think they're going to build at least the very least more of a friendship, if not a yeah more than that. So yeah, we talked about when the when they did the Tower of Joy flashback that her father was the only person left uh, who was alive to see whatever was in the tower. Um, so I think, you know, I think we have to assume that we'll see the other half of that flashback at some point, and maybe her significance will be tied to to that. Um, but yeah, maybe. I, it's it's strange that uh, it's strange that we're at the point of the series where, you know, Mira kind of finally has to get some actual development because she's literally the only person left in the brand storyline. Exactly, exactly. But I think that's cool, and it'll give her maybe more room to grow as a character, which is, I like. Unless they stumble also across sad. another character of the first thing next episode. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, also, uh, summer is. Oh yeah, R.I.P. What's funny is that so, it, when summer showed like up, I was no like, "Oh right, they have a direwolf," and then five seconds later, dead. Immediately dead. <laughs> also, I will say, like again, not to to bash special effects, the one shot of summer jumping across the screen is so bad. <laughs> it looks like a cardboard cutout or something. It's so <laughs> terrible. It really is. <laughs> it's so weird too because like it's a motion shot. Usually those are okay. Again. Again, I don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but I usually those are easier because you don't have to actually do the detail. You just have to make it look convincing, like a blur past the screen, and it just looks weird. I, you know what I flash back? This is so horrible. You know what I flash to? <laughs> you ever see that um that that local news report with the bear reenactment? You ever oh, seen that? I don't think so. There's like this. It's like a Fox News thing, but like a like a local Fox like local station thing where they reenact a bear sighting <laughs> and they have like a guy like holding like a cardboard like bear walking through. it's a fun i'll send you the video but it's very like a popular like viral video uh but i immediately switched to that because somebody like decided they were going to make their segment you know more theatrical than your average uh, you know boring bear it sounds sighting. great <laughs> It's so great, but that's what I thought of, but I really shouldn't be thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> the scene where you're supposed to believe a dire wolf was fighting zombies. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I don't worry about it because I think they've done a really, especially with the White Walkers, I think their designs and the effects on them are so freaking cool. Mm. When they die, when they, they're the coolest. So I'm totally not worried about that. Oh, and the zombies look amazing. They look so good. Yeah, um, yeah. Like the effect, my makeup effects, CGI, the combo or whatever they're doing with it, it looks great. Um, but as we get towards the end, we're going to have finales with dragons, white walkers, zombies, direwolves, everything will yeah. be in these final it's be moments. Insane. And I'm a little worried that I hope they really just allow the showrunners to use as much money as they want for this because they're going to need it. Yeah. And really certainly I think they've, finale. they've earned it at this point, but that's why there was, oh, yeah. that's why there's been talk in the past of like doing the finale or the ending of the series as like a movie. Um, yeah. Which I think is a stupid idea. I've said that in the past. I think it's I, a stupid idea, but I understand the budget-wise why they might want to. Yeah, do that, exactly. You know? Yeah, but I mean that's also kind of why it's a stupid idea. If you're going to do it as a movie, you need to spend like 150 million dollars on it, and even HBO probably doesn't have 150 million dollars to blow on a movie. You know what I mean? And then it would look different than the show because yeah. it's going to be higher budget. And also, and like, like you know, eh. what are you going to do? Release it in theaters? Like this show gets eight million viewers a week. Um, it's a popular show. But I don't think you could really trust that a general movie audience is going to go see it. Yeah, and yet they've done it with random Doctor Who episodes, and that's true. Successful, but and so. well, and especially know, because it's, especially because it's the ending. So it's like you know, imagine you're It'd going to see event. a movie, and it's the ending of a story that's being told for like eight years. 
Yeah, well, I mean, people saw... Well, people didn't see Serenity. Maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the lesson <laughs> we should have gotten from that. Nobody saw Serenity, even though it was supposed to be the conclusions of that. Well, it wasn't supposed to be. It was supposed to be the beginning of a whole new thing, but whatever. It, it You can kind of see it as the ending of a, of a series, and uh, people didn't see it. But that show didn't have the viewership that Game of Thrones has. So I think they, they might be able to justify it, but I think even if they just do it as a show, they just need to give them carte blanche to do the ending properly because they're going to get crazy ratings for it. This yeah. episode, this episode, nothing happens. I mean, stuff happens, but it's not even close to a finale or anything. And it's the fourth highest rated episode of this whole series so far. Mm. At least that's what I saw. So, you know, it's, I think they could justify it, especially if HBO wants to do something big and they do movies. They do like, you know, HBO movies. So, oh yeah. I mean, I mean they, it's, they could yeah. do an event if they wanted to. Yeah, if, I'm sure if they put all their other TV shows on hold for a year, <laughs> they could afford to Right, exactly. Right. And I yeah, wouldn't exactly. put it past Well, them. they have to get gear up whatever their next big show is going to be. So. Oh, that's right. I can't even imagine. You know, they could pull <gasps> They should a, do... Oh, my God. They should AMS. do a Mass Effect. They should do a Mass Effect show. Ooh, that'd be cool. Right? I'd dig that. I'd be down for that. Yeah. If they're doing, like, I a big budget, if... like, you know, genre show that's... Uh, yeah, but you know, like unlike this show where everything's sort of grounded-ish in reality, the, the amount of effects you would need for a that's an well, but you could do you know insane. they got away with Star Trek in the '60s. I think they could probably get away with it. They did, but you know, I mean, no one well, was I mean, convinced by it. Got away is a, a, a loose term, I guess. <laughs> a loose term. <laughs> um, but you know, they have to do something, otherwise they're going to end up with a low winter sun in their horizons, <laughs> and that'll be. That'll be bad news, Bears. <laughs> AMC was not prepared for that transition. Yeah. Um, but in any case. Uh, but yeah, anyway, overall, I really liked this episode. And, and it just over last week, which was, again, not a bad episode. Uh, even by, you know, Game of Thrones has, has some bad episodes. And that was not a bad episode, but it was the weakest of the season. I think this got it right back up to, you know, round about where it was. Um, so, yeah, I was I was happy with the door. Definitely. Me too. And again, the door, literally the door. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we alluded to this earlier and didn't really talk about it, but George R. R. Martin said this was something that actually is going to happen in the books. Like, Hodor is Hod the door. Like, that is a thing. Yeah, exactly. So it's not Which like is, the showrunners made I this was, up. Yeah, I was really disappointed that he said that, actually, because, like, I acknowledge that what's happening on the show right now, some of it is probably going to be what happens in the books, but, like, it doesn't feel like a spoiler to me because I'm not going to know until I read it. So oh, the, so you were sad that he spoiled? Oh, yeah, okay. it was, you know, because yeah. you know, it kind of feels like I wouldn't have known this was a spoiler until the book came out, but now I feel like I've been spoiled because you told me. Um, and yeah, other, you're right. The other thing that he said was he said there were three things, and the first one was uh, that Stannis uh, burns uh, Shireen, which is right. especially bad because I was pretty sure that that wasn't going to happen in the books. <laughs> right. Again, yeah. So I was pretty. Disappointed. And you said that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you said that. So. Um, yeah. And you were like so mad at the show. You were like, he never would do this in the books. It's just totally different than that. But no, no, they should do that. And they were going to do yeah. this. And there's like another twist at the end, which I don't know. Maybe it's going to be bad or who knows. Yeah, who knows? Um, I guess we'll see. All right. So, uh, so next week. Next week is called uh, Blood of My Blood. I wonder what that could refer to. Blood we haven't heard blood that phrase first. a million times before, huh? Yeah. What, what is that, though? I don't it's know, the Jothraki. Yeah. It's a Dothraki thing. That's what yeah. I thought. Okay, cool. Um, I don't know what that's going to pertain to, though. Dothraki stuff, I guess. <laughs> Dothraki stuff, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, that could be anything at this point. she's She led them. She was walking out of the city with them, right? Uh, Yeah. So, I, do, I guess they're going somewhere. I guess. She's got a proper army now, though, so that's pretty cool. 
Um, yeah, maybe she's maybe she's gonna go to Westeros next episode. Oh, I wouldn't put it past the season. I wouldn't. <laughs> How crazy would that be? If she oh. showed. No, you know what's actually? I actually now that we've got a lay of this season and it's we're on what episode five or yeah. six or something. Yeah. Um. We the finale of this season might actually be her landing in in Westeros. Oh, so I, I think I'm that pretty actually, sure it will be. Yeah. That would be a good a good ending because we weren't sure if it was going to be John coming back to life or if it was going to be the White Walkers. <laughs> Remember, when we entering. thought the season might end with John coming back to life. Oh god! Yeah. <laughs> but like, what a disappointment he is as a resurrected human. Like he's, he's even he's even mopier. Oh, and Brienne, we skipped over. Brienne has that great line where she says John is really mopey, and he says, and she says, oh, well, you know, all things considered, it's not that surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. But I like Brian. Oh, and then the other thing we didn't mention, but just very briefly, Sansa's going to. What what is the moment where she Brian doesn't want to leave her, but he she's sending Brian to go somewhere. She's sending Brian, I think, to the river, uh, to River Run to talk to um the Blackfish, right? Oh, right. Yeah, he, she says you you would be better equipped to handle like military stuff. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and you can represent me. And she's like, uh. I'm supposed to protect you. <laughs> I don't know why they don't just go together. I guess Sansa feels like she's yeah, I don't know to be why here. they I don't know why everyone is going to River Run. Yeah. It's, that seems a little So yeah, it's worth they would not only not go there first but send Brienne who has no connection to any of these people. Exactly, and they're going to be like, "Uh, who the hell are you?" <laughs> you know, I guess I don't know, I guess you can come with a note from Sansa or something. Yeah, I guess. No, I really whatever. Um, but yeah, okay, so next week uh, blood, blood, blood. All right. I will talk to you then.